I'd like to welcome everyone to the Pacific Institute's Kitchen Table. The intent of the Kitchen Table is to provide a platform where we are able to share and discuss the dynamic world of cognitive science and the specific role it plays in performance. I'd like to introduce our co-hosts, Greg Coughlin and Ron Medved from the Pacific Institute. They have over four decades of experience working with hundreds of organizations on applying cognitive psychology and science. Pull up a chair. Let's get started. Welcome back, everyone, to the kitchen table. Once again, Ron Medved and myself, Greg Coughlin, are here. Where we last left off was the journey of storytelling that Ron was providing us on his experience with the military, with the aerospace engineering and NASA. And also we were just left off with his trip to Saudi Arabia. And oddly enough, you just can't go to Saudi Arabia without some paperwork, apparently. You know, one of the things that I wanted to just kind of summarize is that, you know, standing back and listening to you tell those stories, there were different outcomes that every client wanted in the, you know, the military wanted leadership and innovation. NASA wanted leadership, innovation and productivity. But they also wanted in the crisis of the, the um, crash, they also needed to be able to do mental health or psychological help or well-being. Uh, and, you know, the other thing that it was notable in almost every project that you've talked about so far is what you defined as the nats and oats, the folks with the attitude towards and the folks with the attitude away. And so it's pretty predictable that we're going to have that in almost every implementation. Today, I wouldn't mind hearing a little bit. You've intrigued me by the the Saudi Arabia story. So I wouldn't mind if you're okay, tell us a little bit about that. And then where those, those projects took us, because it's almost like every project we do takes us down a vein, but opens up another vein, another, another channel. And so I'll be curious to hear what other channels, veins or branches that you can talk about. So back to the Saudi Arabia story, Ron. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, you know, I think I met uh, my first Saudi uh, at a, a convention, a training convention in Chicago, the American Society of Training Development Convention, which is was was a good venue for us to sort of meet new people. Uh, the fellow's name was uh, Isa Ali Amula. And Isa, he was a human resources professional with Aramco, which is the American Arabian oil company. And, you know, Isa, uh, he came to Seattle uh, from Saudi Arabia, got trained as a facilitator, went back to, went back to Saudi Arabia. Uh, and uh, I used to talk to him on the phone, I mean, at all hours of the night, uh, because of the time difference and everything, uh, kind of coaching him on, on his project. But, uh, you know, he ran seminars over there and uh, he was a good guy. I, I eventually met him, you know, when I did go over there. Uh, and uh, I flew, uh, uh, you know, I actually went to Saudi Arabia uh, on behalf of Tony Buzan, one of our other teachers yeah. Uh, who said, I've got a Saudi Airlines, the national airline company, wants to put on a, um, a mind mapping seminar 
and uh, would you go over there and facilitate it? And I jumped at the opportunity because, uh, you know, I had other clients over there. And, and so I, I flew from uh, New York, I flew to Seattle to New York, and then New York to Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. And I flew on Saudi Airlines uh, first class because, you know, the airline was actually the client, you know, so going to going to Saudi Arabia and coming back on first class with with, you know, Saudi royalty, it seemed like uh, uh, was, was an interesting experience. But everything when I hit the ground there, everything, everything was uh, was interesting. Uh, you know, you got to have a work permit to go into Saudi Arabia, you just can't go there as a tourist. So I had a work permit. But God forbid, I had videotapes with me. And so when I was going through customs, you know, in, in, in Saudi Arabia, they confiscated my videotape because they didn't know whether I had pornography with me or whatever. I mean, they weren't about to take, take my word for it. So anyway, I had, uh, I had uh, the clients, uh, the client was at Saudi Airlines, and, but it was expats, you know, that, that were my host. And so they picked me up and they, uh, but I went that and I arrived there, I, I had seminar started the next day. Oh my gosh. And uh, they confiscated my videotape. So, so mm. anyway, my, the expat said, don't worry, you know, they'll get them to you. And, you know, but I of course worried, you know, worried until I found out that I passed, <laughs> passed the customs. Mm. Uh, it was interesting. Uh, what they did is, uh, it was quite a bit of time change and I had to teach the next day. So it was interesting what my hosts decided to do with me is that they decided to take me uh, snorkeling, you know, to keep me awake. So, uh, you know, I think I arrived in the morning, but I needed to stay awake, you know, most of the rest of the day so that I, you know, get a good night's sleep. But anyway, I remember going snorkeling in the Red Sea uh, and I'm not a snorkeler, you know, I'm, I'm barely a swimmer, but uh, the, the Red Sea is, as you can imagine, it's like, you know, going swimming in, you know, in an aquarium with a lot of tropical fish, you know, I mean, there was so mm. many, but it was an interesting experience. And, and uh, uh, anyway, that I, I had a seminar, I had a seminar there and, 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 and uh, uh, it was a good seminar. I had maybe half of the audience was uh, Saudis, you know, wearing the traditional Saudi dress and headdress and half were expats. Uh, so uh, was interesting when the seminar concluded, uh, uh, I, was, I was invited to come to the home of one of the Saudi nationals who happened to be like the senior guy, had a dinner at his house and, and had some of the class over to his house for dinner. I was invited to go there. That particular Saudi national, this guy was actually, uh, his family that he came from was actually a religious family. And, and, and he was like seventh in line uh, to hold the keys to the tabernacle in Mecca, you know, which is the holy, holy spot, you know, in Saudi Arabia. So he was part of this interesting family. And so anyway, we go to the, I go to his house after the seminar and uh, it's after dinner. We're having a nice time. And, and, uh, and this fellow's name was Adnan Al-Aziz and Adnan sat down next to me on the couch 
And uh, he said, Ron, he said, uh, he, this is what he said, I'll never forget it. He said, Ron, I have been listening to you for two days. He, said, <laughs> he says, and I'm going, like, uh oh, and he and, and and he said, now it's your turn to listen to me. Mm. He said, I want to share my religion with you. Mm -hmm. And for the next 45 minutes, you know, I, I got a tutorial on Islam. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, it was really interesting, you know, and so, sort of he sort of couch, he sort of framed it up for me. And uh so anyway, on the way home, and I was staying with the expats, and one of one of my expat, you know, partners, you know, he said, "I saw you talking to Adnan there on the couch." I said, "Yeah." He says, "I bet I can guess what he was talking to you about." I said, "Take a guess." He said, "He was talking to you about Islam," mm -hmm. and 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 uh, uh, I said, "How did you know that?" You know, and he said, "Well," he said, "I just it's an educated guess." He says, because, you know, in the, in the Islamic religion, you know, you, you, you get certain merits for doing good deeds. And uh, the, the, the good deed that, that uh, you get the most merits for is if you convert a teacher to Islam. Oh. So, so I went like, whoa, that's, he took a good shot, you know? Yeah. 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 And, and so uh, that, but anyway, that, you know, just being in that culture, uh, you know, seeing how women are treated, were treated there and you don't even have to search for it. I mean, back in those days, I don't know if it's changed much, but uh, you know, the women rode in the back of the bus, the men rode in the front of the bus and the back of the bus was maybe like the last, 25% of the bus. So they were all the women were crammed together in the back and the men, you know, they were sprawled out in front. You know, I go to the, I, on, when I had a little free time, I went to the market there. Uh, and, uh, you know, I saw uh, women, uh, if their arms were showing, you know, a man would switch their arm, like, you know, hit him, hit him on the arm, kind of like shame on you for showing your arm uh you know just cultural things that uh well yeah. it's just 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 shocking you know for a westerner um and uh anyway uh when i finished my seminar uh i flew from Jeddah, which was on the red sea i flew across the country to where the Aramco facility was to a country, a city called Dahran. And, oh. uh, and then Dahran, you know, I stayed with Isa uh, Ali Amula, my, my first client. Mm -hmm. And I was a, a house guest of his. And then uh, I, he was putting a seminar on uh, coincidentally, uh, maybe not so coincidentally, but anyway, I went and I sat in and I visited, you know, the seminar that was ongoing. Uh, and, and, uh, it was all men, you know, in the seminar and these were employees of Aramco. But here, the interesting thing was I'm sitting in the seminar watching and participating and watching. And it was, uh, interesting, uh, every, every so often and pretty regularly, all the men's heads would bow. They, they, they were sitting watching the television, but then they would put their heads down. They would look at the table in front of them. 
and then they would come back up and then they would put their heads down and they would come back up. And on one of the breaks, I asked Issa, Issa was facilitating, I said, Issa, what's going on here? You know, what is this bowing? And uh, Issa, in, in his sort of style, the way he would talk, you know, he said, oh, Ron, he said, you know, that's because the way you guys make those videos, you spend, the camera spends way too much time on the women's faces. You know, these men cannot, are not supposed to look at women's faces directly. So that's why women wear veils, you know, over here. Uh, uh, it, it's b bad manners. And so every time you saw all the men's heads go down, and not look yeah. at the television set was because there was a close-up of a woman on the screen. Oh, wow. Yeah. Ron, let me just check in on, um, you know, notwithstanding the dramatic cultural differences. I mean, I, I, on one of my support tours, I went to Asia as well and, and, you know, found remarkable differences in culture. And it was just, it was, it was difficult to to you know to consume but what did how did the education play out in a different country a different culture a different uh religion how did what was how did it go well good question greg i mean my experiences in different cultures uh is that the education was uh, accepted dramatically positively by, you know, most, most everyone, because it was, because the seminar talks about our, our humanness, you know, our, our, our brain, mm -hmm. our thinking, uh, you know, our sort of uh, gift of being able to grow as a human being and to have some control over our growth and change as a human being that, that always, that, that's inspiring, you know, across mm. the board. Yeah. On the other hand, I mean, there was, it, it's more like window dressing, you know, that was objectionable or things that people, you know, had to sort of look past. Uh, you know, I remember uh, in Saudi Arabia, they had a problem when Lou was talking about his ranch and he would have a big party and he would, he would host a party oh. at his ranch and, and, and they, and, and, and Lou would uh, talk about uh, roasting a pig on the barbecue, mm. you know, as, as oh part of the, gosh. Oh, Oh, I, I, I got a call in the middle of the night, you know, once on from Isa uh, on mm. that one saying, Oh, Ron, how could you do this? You know, this is just, you know, terrible talking about roasting a pig, you know? And, and so anyway, we, we ended up needing to make some strategic edits, you know, in our video that we, we used over there. Yeah. Um, and, and uh, you know, but, you know, there were cultural difference, differences in, anyway, even in the United States, believe it or not, yeah. because there were conservative uh, Christians, for example, that had trouble with our education just because it, it, we, we, we gave too much power kind of to the, the human being, you know, to be able to... Yeah change or to make our future as opposed to sort of you know thy will be done you know having yeah. god you know be in charge of all of that so you know we we got pushed back even here uh culturally uh so um i think every 
and and again what was the nats versus the oats you know but uh yeah. but but a cultural pushback you know so i found in all my projects that you know i had to be uh wary of yeah. where the pushback might come from yeah and, and it could be aerospace it could be in saudi arabia uh but there was yeah. always some some place where there was pushback because the license you know that we suggest in the education is just too much you know for certain yeah. people to handle too much for certain traditions to handle and yeah. and uh and and so you had to watch out for that and and again be uh, be kind you know in the way that yeah. we did the facilitation yeah let me just check into you know, currently, you and I are working on a project that's looking at the impact that philosophy has, psychology has, and theology has. And so this, this is illustrating the power of those, those ologies. Um, but you said something that off camera or recording that said, about this time in, in your, the, the Pacific Institute's development, was really coming to understand, stay true to your purpose, straight, stay true to your mission. And, and it, I think this is in context, I don't think people had as much knowledge or commitment to goals or missions or, or value propositions uh, as they now we just know that we need that. But tell us a little bit about the insight that you sort of was mentioning on the mission or purpose of the Pacific Institute and our value proposition. Uh, okay. Um, well, you know, first of all, um, you know, Lou Tice and Diane Tice, you know, very much had a sense of mission and a sense of purpose mm -hmm. for, for the business and for the teaching, you know, that Lou did. And they had that, you know, before I got there and, and, you know, it was one of the things that, that I, I identified in them, you know, and the Pacific Institute that caused me to say, this is, this is the business that I want to be in, you know, uh, for myself, you know, again, I'm sort of the product of my generation. And, and uh, back in the day, uh, as I was in my 20s, you know, I was going through sort of figuring out what I what I wanted to be when I grow up, but also what I, what I wanted to be to the world. And, and, mm -hmm. and I think like a lot of people, you know, my age, you know, I said, I want to sort of do something that's meaningful and that's constructive and that, that, that helps the world. And so I had my own momentum on that. And then when I joined the Pacific Institute, uh, Lou was already, and Lou and Diane were well on their way, but uh, you know, what, what, specifically what I mean by that is that um, the value proposition of the Pacific Institute as as I've come to understand it is that when 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 the Pacific Institute teaches us about our brain about how our mind works how our thinking works um, and and it and it's science-based it's based upon research that's been done by professionals you know, with PhDs for the most part, you know, Pacific Institute's job is to sort of translate it into everyday language so that it becomes, you know, interesting education, not, not just science in a book, but we, we actually, through our storytelling and, and through the style of the way Pacific Institute delivers the education, it ends up being uh, 
Well, it ends up not just being popular, uh, but it ends up being life changing. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and what, what I mean by that is if, uh, if you've never been exposed to this kind of information, and most people haven't, you know, as these concepts uh, start to pile up, and, you know, I don't know how, it depends on who you're talking to, but there could be 50 key concepts, you know, inside the Pacific Institute's education. Maybe there's a hundred, you know, mm-hmm. it kind of depends on who you're talking to. But mm-hmm. as these concepts start to build, uh, you arrive at a point, you know, somewhere during the, the learning where you yeah. go, oh my God, you know, this yeah. is, this is my future. This, th- this is my potential. Yeah. And, and, and it's, and it's a very, it's, it's an emotional kind of aha moment of uh, that I, I believe has been sort of the heart and soul of the Pacific Institute and has actually caused the Pacific Institute to go as far and as wide as it has. And I've seen yeah. it happen in literally thousands and thousands of people that, uh, and if you talk to those thousands and thousands of people, like 20 years later, many of them if not most of them can think back and remember uh remember going through the seminar and remembering the moment where the light came on or the lightning struck you know if you will so wow what a what a wonderful thing to be a part of so to 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 uh those of us whose job it was to market the pacific institute you know to to uh, find new clients, uh, you needed to have an, a, a, a keen awareness of that value proposition, and you needed to sort of follow follow your instincts. Uh, and again, as Lou would say, you know, and have the right spirit of intent. Uh, oftentimes, I would I would like when I went over to the nuclear facility in Eastern Washington. Uh, I, I, I went over there out of faith. I kind of almost went over there blindly. And then I discovered over there people that uh, uh, resonated with Pacific Institute, resonated with me. They then took me to another place, to another company, to another division, and, you know, and that, and my own sort of large sort of project history with the Pacific Institute has always been uh, one project leading to the other, leading to the other, leading to the other. And, and some of it is my skill, you know, uh, and, and conviction, but much of it is just the in, inborn, inbred sort of essence of Pacific Institute education. I'm, I'm following, you know, the momentum of all of that, Craig. Yeah. Do you know the as I'm hearing you speak, I, I once again uh, con- continue to align to what you're saying. And for me, in my simple translation, is that uh, our mission, my purpose in translation of that, is trying to make a difference. We're trying to enable people make a difference. And so, whether it be aerospace, military, or the Saudis, um, you're you're you waking up with the spirit of intent of making a difference. You know, what you've said so clearly to me that is really helpful in the value proposition is if we if we remain true to the science of cognitive science and ground what we do in the science of it. Second, if we really strive to make it simple or present it in a way that the learner can get it, whether they're 
in the three categories that we've already referred to, you know, different countries, different religions, different contexts. And the third that, that I think you do, you do so well, and I think we do so well, is that it's putting into context. And, you know, with the military, it was putting into context a different mindset for leadership, mm-hmm. uh, for, the, for the production uh, productivity of NASA or the, uh, the auto industry. It was a mindset about productivity and production or innovation. Uh, and so for me, you've, you've done a nice job of, as I hear you telling the stories, if we look at through the lens of, are we consistent to our purpose, our mission? Are we consistent to a value proposition? You know, you make me proud just listening to what you said, because we do. Let me pause here for a minute, Ron, and just if I could wrap up and on the next podcast, we'll tease the folks about the sports because those are always interesting. So coming up on our next podcast is, is a story about Ron's experience in hyper high, high elite sports. So be well, everyone take care. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast with the Pacific Institute. If you like what you heard today, click the like button or perhaps share this podcast with friends and family. For more information on TPI or how to get in contact with us, please visit www.tpikitchentable.ca. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. See you next time at the kitchen table.